Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I'm extremely excited tonight as we have Scott Chiasso coming on shortly. He is an actor, a musician, and we're going to be talking a lot tonight about his new projects that he's in, film projects that is, as well as his book that has just come out, and it is titled Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer, and everyone needs to check it out. Go to Amazon.com. You have to purchase a copy of this book. I've been reading it for a while, and this book really gets down and dirty to what one's life is like when someone has went through some emotional stress and trauma. I'm sure Scott will get into some of that tonight, but it's it's a really great book. Um, the poetry he writes is just extremely deep, touching, and as I mentioned, at times it can be very um, despondent, but, uh, but Scott will explain all of that shortly. So if you're just tuning in for the first time tonight, um, or even if you are a regular guest, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. You can join us in the chat room. I do have a chat room open with a bunch of information about Scott, um, a contact number if anyone wants to call in tonight. We would love for people to call in and ask questions or make any comments that they would like to. Um, And also I wanted to just, uh, again, introduce the show just for people who might be tuning in for the first time. So I started the show approximately, it's been over a year now, and um, just again, I want to thank everyone for the support. The show has been really doing well, but again, it would not be without all the amazing guests that I've had on the show. Um, I started the show with the concept in mind that I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry. They could be musicians, comedians, filmmakers, actors, um, the whole gamut, just people that were doing creative things to really help them support themselves and uh, help them get their names out there. Um, A little bit about my background, I have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, and that's what I do for my full-time profession, but I also have a background in the entertainment industry, um, specifically with regards to being a singer-songwriter with an album out. Um, I also have the radio show, I do some writing for magazines, and um, getting involved in a bunch of other stuff, uh, which you know, I could talk about another day, but I really wanted to combine my passion for interviewing people, especially with my psychology background, with the entertainment side of myself and bring those two uh, things together, which is what I did with this show. So um, just a couple of things I kindly ask for people to keep in mind is that although I'm a psychologist, the show is not meant to be providing any type of formal therapy or treatment. Um, People might ask some types of general concepts or terms on the show, which I'm very open to answering. But again, the show is really about my guests and them kind of revealing who they are. You'll learn some interesting things about them, but it's not providing treatment. And secondly, I do want people to feel open and be able to talk about whatever they'd like, but I do ask that my guests just keep any types of, you know, if you're going to talk about a controversial story, something really humiliating, um, that you just please keep the names and identifying information of the persons, organizations, etc., that you might be talking about anonymous. Okay, again, if you're if you're tuning in, create a Blog Talk Radio account, as well as you can call in tonight at 805-243-1320. Yikes, we already got someone calling in. So I apologize. The person calling in, please wait on because i got to bring Scott on first and uh, introduce him. But let me do a little bit of an introduction with Scott. 
And I really like to do this with guests that I've had some, you know, personal connection with and some ability to uh, become friendly with them. And Scott has just been an amazing person. We met back probably in like August of 2011 or September-ish. And uh, we actually connected on Facebook and we started talking a lot and just got friendly with each other in terms of he has a background in psychology. He's working on a master's degree. So we had a lot of things in common with our entertainment and psychology background. Um, so from there, he came on the show actually on October 25th, 2011. So if people did not hear that podcast, please check it out. It's a great interview with him. And that was his first interview on the show. And we are bringing him back on today for a second interview. So again, we really want to focus tonight on a lot of the newer stuff he's doing. So, you know, if you want to tune into the previous interview, you can get a lot of information about his history. And I'm sure, again, he'll he'll touch base on that stuff here and there. But a little bit about him. He grew up in Passaic, New Jersey, um, currently resides in Bergen County, New Jersey. And some of Scott's backgrounds. I like to look at him as this multi-talented person who, uh, you know, he's he's someone who just does everything and anything. He's a musician. He plays guitar, keyboard, bass, harmonica. So he's done a lot with music. He's an actor. Many people will know him as the Chewy's Gum Guy from Kevin Smith's uh, independent cult classic Clerks. And he's appeared in tons of other films, including uh, The Garden State, um, and uh, Broccoli Theory with uh, Selma Blair. He appeared also in the controversial motion picture titled Vulgar, if people have heard of that. That was another uh, film that Kevin Smith had created, and my homework assignment is still to watch that film because Scott was so kind to send me a complimentary copy, and I'm dying to check that out. Um, He also right now, as I mentioned, he has his poetry book out, where you're going to talk about that tonight. Again, it's titled Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer. And he is currently working on two films. Um, One of them is titled The Apocalypse, um, sorry, The Puppet Apocalypse. And the other one, which I just learned of yesterday on Facebook when he was promoting it, is I I Know You Want This, again. Just apologize if I stumble a little bit. It's been a very long day. I work in corrections, so please excuse me. Okay, so without that being said, I hope I did a, a good justice uh, introduction for Scott. Let's uh, bring him on. Hey, hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good, it's so great to have you on again, Scott. Well, it's great to be on. Thank you so much, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, I support you, and uh, you're a wonderful person, so we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And we do have someone on hold that probably wants to ask you some questions, but I want to just at least start the interview out. So we'll keep them on hold for, you know, a couple of minutes or so, and then we can bring them on. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I guess why don't you start out just filling the audience. You know, I did an introduction for you. But give them a little bit of your background, who you are, some information about you, and then, as I said, we're really going to hone in tonight on all these new projects and things that you have right now going on. Okay, well, um, I'm a character actor, fairly established. Um, for about 20 years at this point, I imagine, I think actually Clerks was probably the first film to really kick off uh, my uh, professional, official character acting career. But before that, I'd been in a lot of community theater, uh, local access, cable, comedy show, that type of thing, and but, um, you know, I've also, uh, I, I wrote a lot back during those years in the early 90s. I had been floundering pretty badly with alcohol and drug addiction uh, during mm-hmm. the whole time that the clerks thing was going on, during the auditions and during the shooting. 
I kind of was, I guess I was romanticizing that whole Charlie Bukowski, William S. Burroughs trip. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, as a result. But I found that, I found that writing about it somehow, uh, I would say it, it alleviated any kind of angst that I had for living that lifestyle, but somehow mm-hmm. it made it, it, it might have made it like, I think the thing with the book, with the, the the material in the book, is that you see that the protagonist is not glorifying right. that lifestyle, nor is he uh, vilifying that lifestyle. He's caught in it, and he's going to see it through, you know, his his point of view and share that with you. And I think that's one thing about the book that uh, I'm happy about is that as far as a literary achievement, or does it have any real literary merit? have no idea, but it's very, right. you know, very honest and very, uh, there's no fiction in that book at all. Right, and we're going to get into that, Scott, because I definitely want to spend a lot of time, and that was one of my kind of comments or questions I had was that even though it was, you know, it, it is very despondent and, you know, at times the things that you're talking about, I mean, I think even myself, I can, even though I've never been through that, I could kind of almost feel myself in your shoes, and it could be traumatizing, I think, but like you said, it could also be very cathartic. And I think that's what you were trying to get out with the book. And that's amazing that, you know, you had that experience and that it helped you kind of get through some stuff, even just writing it. So that's great. Sure, absolutely. You're correct. Yeah. So why don't we do this, just because I don't want to lose your caller. Let's take the caller, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk about the films and everything. And then I want to spend, like I said, a big chunk of time talking about the book, too. Great. I think, okay. you know what I do, Carrie, all the time okay. when I do shows of this nature is I – I tell my uh, my peoples that if they call in and they can stump me with a pop culture question, then they'll <laughs> win kind of cool, you know, personalized uh, swag, as we call it. So I think that that's what people is looking for. So. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Okay. Let's do that. That would be awesome if you can give away some stuff tonight. Very cool. All right. All right. Okay. Hello? You're currently on the Carrie Edelman Show. Hello. Hi. This is Francis C. Rodriguez. I have, hey, a pop culture, hey, man. I have a pop culture question for Scott. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. No. <laughs> oh, not at all, brother. You're fine. Okay. Uh, the question is, um, who did who drew the satire of Robert Paul Smith for Mad Magazine? Oh, man. Francis, now, okay. Now, I, I sent you a... Uh, I think I posted on the... You had sent on my Facebook, you know, should I call in tonight? And I said, sure, it'd be great to hear from you. But, you know, go easy on me because the comic book stuff, I'm like dead. So, but it's okay <laughs> because I'm, I don't have my buddy Mike here to back me up here because he's really the comic book guy. I uh, I can't even give this a good educated guess, but uh, hey, now you, which character was this for Mad? Uh, Robert Paul Smith, the writer of uh, Where Did You Go Out? What Did You what did you do? Nothing. Now he that this this individual drew something from the Mad Mad Magazine. Am I getting that right? Yeah, uh, he uh, satirized uh, the book by Robert Paul Smith. Now you love Mad Magazine. Well, that I do. I absolutely do. I mean, as a kid growing up, like we couldn't wait for the new issues to come out. I mean, there was no internet back then. There was no cell phones. There was no nothing. So like. Uh, yeah, we loved that. I loved the magazine. But as far as really retaining a lot of the people who did the art or the writing, I'm a zero. So what I think we're going to have to do is figure out what it is I can get to you because uh, 
I think you got a lot of mo- you got most of the high quality swag already you've gotten. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I could do, Francis? I'm going to make a donation to the Angels of Animals charity that I've been working on with uh, these uh, autographed things from clerks. You know, Marilyn's been involved. Brian O'Halloran is going to be involved. Uh, Diana Devlin will be involved. Um, we've been launching up things, you know, signed pictures and signed DVDs, and 100% of the proceeds go to uh, the animals. So I'm going to make a donation in your behalf, and you will get right. a, a really nice uh, signed 8x10 of Marilyn uh, as Veronica, just after she shot the crowd with the uh, fire extinguisher, and she wrote on it, who's leading this mob, and then she signed it. So you'll get one of those. So I'll catch you on a personal message. Make sure I have your address correct. And that's what we're going to send out to you, brother, okay? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Thank you so much for calling in, Francis. It's always nice to hear from you. Thanks so much, Francis. Okay. Okay. Bonnie, did sit on that. What's the quote? Definitely continue to listen to the show, though. It's going to be a great show tonight, all right? Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. Yeah, he's a really nice cat. Oh, yeah, very nice, very sweet, very cool. Okay, so, oh, we got some, uh, hold on, we got uh, some other people joining the chat room. Let me just see if they have any questions. Uh, I could not sign into the chat room. I must have forgot my username or whatever. I couldn't get in there. Oh, (laughs) no. That's all right. Well, the person who's in the chat room, I hope you're listening because I can't, unfortunately, I don't want to be typing and creating a whole bunch of chaos where I'm trying to focus on Scott. So please, if you want to call in, yes, people are calling in, and the number is available in the chat room for you to call in. Okay. So let's get to Scott. Let's talk first about some of these new films that you have coming out because that sounds really cool. And um, I know that, you know, you've done a lot of work, and, of course, please, you know, plug uh, Scott Meany with some of the illustration later on your um book and everything like that, but tell us a little bit about uh, The Puppet Apocalypse and the concept of this film, who's involved in it, and again, please plug some of the people too. And your role in it, what's your role in this film? Well, it's um, <clears throat> there's two buddies, basically, who uh, who have to mitigate The Puppet Apocalypse. It's myself and uh, Carl and Carl Bartow. <laughs> Bartow, sorry, I'm blowing the name. I'm not in front of the computer right now. He's That's fantastic. Okay. Really fantastic character actor, very funny cat. Um, I don't know how much of it I'm allowed to give away, though, because I think Scott Meany and Chris Ladon don't want to keep, okay. you know, a good chunk of it still sort of like uh, under wraps until they're really ready to blow it out there. But um, you could see, you know, you could tell by the title what's happening. Um, you know, Earth is invaded by puppets, and uh, they're not all that friendly. And uh, basically, the world is going to fell. According I love to, that. Yeah, it is. So I mean, I've been having a ball working with those guys. They're really great guys. Uh, you know, they both worked on my book, uh, Chris and Scott. And I mean, they really—I can't say this enough—they really made the book happen and come to life because the design, the concept, the way he put it all together. They've been helping mm-hmm. me uh, with promotion. They've been helping me with publicity. They're just really, really creative guys and so down to earth. And they really get. They really, really get the whole view askew world, which is important. So it's just been an awesome thing that I even connected with them. But um, So that's, that's, that's about as much as I think say about the okay. pop. But maybe yeah, Scott no. will call in or Chris will call in and they can pipe up some more. 
Right, right. Real quick, just a little, give us a little bit of a background in terms of if you have any funny stories or how did you specifically meet Chris and Scott? And you might have mentioned this earlier on the first show, but I'm, I can't really remember right now. Yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, I, it was straight up a Facebook situation, you know. Uh, I'll tell you, Facebook's been really good for me in my career. It's been good for me professionally and mm-hmm. it's been good for me in my personal life. Um I have met just tons of really awesome either creative people like, you know, other actors or or musicians or artists, tons of really great pop culture fans, guys like Francis and, you know, and the Viewerskew fans, they're the best fans in the world. They're really loyal. They really embrace all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I actually Chris and I were talking about this the other day. I think that, I think I'm Brian O'Halloran's Facebook Brian O'Halloran being uh, the actor who played the lead in Clerks Dante. I think that there was a picture from the movie Vulgar, because I was fortunate to be in that with Brian as well. I played opposite him. And I think Chris left a a post. He, he, you know, he responded to something on that, and then I responded to him, and then we kind of connected, hit it off, we talked a little bit, and then that was it. We just continued to kind of, you know, connect on Facebook, and then he turned me on to Scott, and then he told me about his graphic novel, and then I bought the novel, and I was like blown away by the graphic novel, mm-hmm. and we became really tight, and it was just a wonderful coincidence that these guys are into all the different things that they are, because it really helped the book, when I saw what a great job they did with their book, and that right. they, would, they would work with me on my book, it was just wonderful, so yes, it, I, I can't cool. say enough of good but yeah, it was, a, it was a Facebook deal. We definitely connected on Facebook first. So. Let me, yeah, and you guys have really, like you said, you've become not only just you know professionally working with each other in so many different realms and aspects. But I mean, really close friends, and that's just an awesome story. Um, and I just want to quick, quickly, everyone needs to also check out Constellation Park, and uh, that was the book that um, Scott, who I'm speaking with right now, was referring to. It was written and illustrated by uh, Scott Meany as well as Chris Laudando. And uh, please check it out. Go to Amazon.com and check out their podcast, too, on the Carrie Edelman Show, and you can hear all about who they are and uh, just their amazing talent, too. So very cool. Yeah, I think you I think you can buy signed copies of Constellation Park at uh, the stash in Red Bank. Uh, That's right. My, you can. My book's in the stash now, too. <clears throat> awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, very I'm cool. Psyched. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about two then. Let's because uh, we can't, like you said, you can't t- give too much away about the pop- bit apocalypse. But it's a really cool concept, and we'll definitely have them on in the future once you guys uh, actually release it and it gets out there. So what's this other film that you're now working on? Well, my that film has done is done shooting. I know you want this um, Charlie Esser's first film. Um, Another really nice cat. I mean, it's a very funny story, kind of how I got the role. <clears throat> the the film is uh, it's like a drama thriller that takes place. It's centered around uh, a strip club in Newark, and it's kind of like a, a bird's eye view of the patrons and of the staff. Okay. And there's one there's one patron at the bar who's like a staple and a regular. Is he's rich Uncle Pete? He's got a ton of money. He's kind of cheap with the with the strippers, but he's there all the time and groping them and getting lap dance <laughs> things of this nature. So um, 
Stefan Block, who plays one of the strippers, a really fine actress. I've known her for about ten years now. Okay. Um, she she was cast in the film, and uh, her character at one point has to really be groped pretty aggressively by rich Uncle Pete. So she went to Charlie and said, Charlie, would you mind, uh, you know, reading my friend Scott Schiaffo for the part? I know him really well. I'm very comfortable with him. And rather than have an actor who is a stranger groping her, right. you, know, she gotta, you know, have an actor that she knows. And also, Steph and I, um, that's going back about six or seven years, Steph and I had dated for about, I don't know, four or five, six months. Really nice relationship, but, you know, it wasn't, wasn't destined to go too far serious, mostly from because of my situation. I was still pretty out of my mind back then. Okay. But, um, okay. so, you know, she she really felt comfortable. So she said that to Charlie, and Charlie did a little homework on me, and he was really, really happy, you know, that I could be a part of it too because he was a Clerks fan and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of how that happened. And uh, it's a really interesting story. It's... Um, I'm talking about the script, not that, not my casting story. But uh, what happens is, uh, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to give away either. But um, we'll just give a couple of the, little bullets. Yeah, some highlights. Well, one of one of the lead uh, the lead stripper, um, and you know, I'm I'm good with names normally, but I'm away from my computer. But I'm going to definitely go because I don't I want to make sure I give everybody their proper due. You know, mm-hmm. um, she is the target of. There's a uh, there's one of the patrons at the club. It's not really a patron. Apparently, he happens in there one night for the first time, or so he says, and he really connects with her. And uh, down the road somewhere, he ends up holding her hostage at her apartment. And I won't give away the rest of that. Okay. But you know, again, it's it's in the thriller um, sort of vein. Uh, really interesting. Uh, Tatiana. Tatiana Cot Diaz is the lead actress who is uh, held hostage. And Josh, please hold. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm sorry. I'll get it. I'll get it. Josh Potter. Josh Potter is okay. the, our leading man. And he really does a great job. He's kind of like floating in that place between sort of like Tony Perkins and, you know, I mean, he's, oh, you know, wow. he's not right. <laughs> but yet he still at the same time looks like he could be maybe harmless and, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, and Tot's just, uh, you know, Tatiana's like smoking hot. You know, this flaming redhead dancer, you know, killer body and all that. So he's he's done the minute he sees her. But one thing that you definitely know, you get your creep radar up because the first conversation they have, he says to her, because uh, she's, she's uh, Polish and she has a bit of an accent, and he said uh, his mom was Polish, and you know, blah, blah, blah. he said, "Well, you really remind me of her." Zing! Oh my so gosh! Right, right, right. That's, that's red flag number one. So, I guess it's basically all downhill from there. But I, you know, I, I really kind of concentrated on the rich Uncle Pete stuff. I got my uh, days in, and then we shot it. And I didn't. I sometimes like to be more surprised when I see the finished film. So I didn't. You know, I read the script through maybe once a long time ago, and. uh I'll leave it be until I actually get to see the finished thing. But it went really well. It was really good, really good uh, casting crew and uh, shooting went pretty. I mean, you know, you know who uh, two three days straight shooting, uh, you know, groping women, 
and you know getting paid and you know so it's a great gig for me you know I mean there you go great yeah work. Kim get it. <laughs> yeah so, so I went from film, uh, um, okay go, I'm sorry go ahead so I went from groping I went from groping strippers <laughs> to fighting puppet aliens yeah that's very interesting uh very uh interesting and um different <laughs> I guess yeah, to say the very, least <laughs> so when is colorful. the movie when is this film um scheduled to be released and when can people expect to see it well i i don't really have a hard fast answer for that i don't know what okay. the timeline is as far as uh, post production and uh what the plan is from there but um, a lot of these guys work really fast now, thanks to all the digital tools and being able to edit, you know, on a whether it's a Mac or a home PC uh, or a studio yeah. PC. You need a pretty powerful machine. But um, couldn't really say. But uh, okay, I'll well, definitely we'll definitely uh, be in touch. Yeah, and let me know, and we'll promote it and all that good stuff. So, um, well, let's do this. Let's take another caller because we have another person calling in. I don't want them to wait too too long. And then um, after we take their call. We'll probably take a quick break. I'll do some advertisements and plugs, and then we'll come back and really get uh, down to the nitty-gritty with your book, okay? Okay. All right. All right, hold on. All right, uh, 347, you are on the Carrie Edelman Show with Scott Schiefo. Hey, Carrie, it's Scott Meany. Hey, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for calling in. Hey, no problem. Just wanted to call and support my boy, Scott. Absolutely. <laughs> How you doing, man? How you doing, brother? Thanks. I'm <laughs> doing really well, doing really well, just uh, sitting back and listening. Well, you know what, Scott, now that you're on, thankfully you called. If you want to fill in any holes or blanks I might have left when I tried to explain the the puppet apocalypse, maybe you should give us your – because I know you don't want to give away too much anyway. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you know um, – you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's it's pretty much about puppets from outer space that come to uh, take over the world, and uh, you know th- that's pretty much the base of it. It's silly, it's fun, it's uh, it's we're trying to do something different, and uh, Scott is bringing just something fantastic to the table. I mean, the, the the shoot days are just loads of fun. He's just on the mark every time, and I mean, every time you look at the dailies, they're just amazing. You know, like nice. just we're we're so thankful to have him. Hey, listen, give Carl a quick plug, because I think I mangled his last name. No, you actually, it's Carl, 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 Bar, Carl Bart, Bartow. Yeah, Carl Bartow. Okay, Bartow. He, uh, he, he is, uh, he's the co-star. He's uh, the, other, uh, the other leading man in our, in our picture, and he is uh, hilarious, one of the most expressive faces I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> I mean, everyone. They're, they're all so good. I mean, uh, you know, we were really blessed. It's just People just, like, heard about the project. They jumped onto the project, and uh, they're just giving us their time, and you know, we we couldn't be more thankful, and uh, we're just we're just glad Scott gets to be a part of it. That's awesome. That's really cool. I can't wait for it to be released because we'll definitely bring all of you guys on and have a nice round table and promote that uh, that movie and stuff. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, it'd be great. All right, I just wanted to say hi and show my support. Thank you. Well, no, it's awesome. Thank you so much for calling in, and we plug Constellation Park too, so we got all the word Thank out there about much. that. Absolutely, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys all right. later. Thanks, brother. Have All a right, great bye-bye. night. Thanks. You too. Have a good bye. night. Bye. There you go. Look at all that love you got there, Scott. <laughs> uh, you know, I, forgot, awesome. I, I, didn't to, uh, I didn't get a chance to get a hold of you uh, before the show. I don't know if you're aware that uh, Chris and Scott did a an audio spot for me that's going to run. I know. I love it. I, I literally got it like four minutes before the show was 
starting. I was trying to download it. I'm like, I'm not going to have time to upload it to the station. I know. I wish I had it earlier because I do love uh, it. It sounds great. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a minute. It's actually like exactly 60 seconds MP3. It's not too big of a of a streaming file, and they are they just so nailed it. They I came to them with an idea which was basically uh, a parody of one of the scenes within Clerks. And since they know that world so well, they just whipped up this really hilarious skit. And I just can't wait to get it aired more and more. It's like I said, it's going to be on Kevin Smith's network soon. And uh, I should have gotten it earlier. I know. I was hoping maybe I can get it to you before tonight. This way maybe you could have played it. But I realize it's last minute now. I know. Now, it's like I said, if you can send me an MP3, for some reason I was trying to download it out in, in the Facebook thing, and I could not for some reason get it to... Again, I'm I'm decent with computers, but I'm not some like you know uh, uh, scientist when it comes to computers. I mean, if you can get it to my email, you know, I might be well, able I to. Did, do... I actually I attached it to a personal message in Facebook about an I hour know. ago. That's what I tried to do, and I could not oh, remember oh, for the life oh. of me. Every time I opened it, it kept going to just like a separate window and playing, and I couldn't find a way to actually get it. I know. Well, if you right click. Yeah, here we go. We're getting into, now all of a sudden it's CNET, you know, it's like computer network. I did um, right click it. I'm doing that right now. You right click and it should say mm-hmm. save target as or save file as. It says save link as. I've done. I tried to do that. Yeah. And, and then, then it happens. Okay, it comes into a window. Let me see if I can just label it as something. Um, Scott MP3. Let's see. This is kind of funny. I love Howard Stern, so I like going off the cuff a little bit. So let's see what happens. All right, so it just went down somewhere. Let me see. Let me see where it went. And, oh, oh, I don't know if this is an MP. It saved it as a PHP. I don't know what yeah, that that's is. Not, it's not saving it as a web page first for some reason. Yeah, and I know someone who could convert it for me, but they're, A, they're not here right now. And oh. All right, but you know what? Send me the regular MP3 later on to my email, and then I will play it on other shows for you. I'll use I'll use it as an advertisement. Oh, that would be great. All right, let's do that. There Thank we go. you so much. Absolutely. All right, so let's do this. Let's. I'm going to put you on hold. We'll take a quick break. I just want to do a couple of quick commercials and uh, a plug. I'm doing some cross promotion with people right now, so I'll get those out there, and then we'll come back and we're going to get all into the book. Okay. Great. Okay. Hold on one second, Scott. Thanks. Oh, shoot. Oh, hold on a second here. All right. All right, everyone. Let's check out a commercial real quick from uh, Zero by One Studio. Okay, they are a studio out of South Jersey, and uh, we will be back in a moment. Zero by One Sound, South Jersey's premier recording and audio production studio. Featuring award-winning engineers, state-of-the-art gear, and spacious tracking rooms. Zero by One Sound offers musicians of any genre an exciting and professional recording environment. Call us now at 856-396-7672 to discuss your project and take a tour of the studio. Or visit us on the web at 0x1sound.com. All right, everyone, again, you just heard a commercial by Zero by One Sound. So, again, if you are a musician, you need sound sound design done for a project, whatever it is, you guys definitely have to check out Zero by One Sound. It's 0x1sound.com. 
Let's check out a quick commercial now by Flirt Energy Drink. Let me find them here in the board. This is an awesome energy drink. So for all of you athletes out there, especially the female athlete, this is a female fitness energy drink that was tailored for the female athlete. And uh, we're going to check them out. You can check them out at flirtsport.com. Hey, Alyssa, you look awesome. Wow, thanks. What are you doing, putting in extra hours at the gym? No, I drink Flirt. The pink energy drink? You like my energy, don't you? Yeah. Flirt is the first energy drink designed for women by women. Flirt, the one in the pink can? Flirt is jam-packed with natural ingredients. Really? Zero calories, DHA, folic acid, green tea, and putia. I can get it here at the gym, right? Flirtsport.com. Flirt. Sport.com. Yeah, flirtsport.com for a location near you. All right, everyone. And now we are going to do a plug. I'm doing some cross-promotion for some amazing comedians that currently have a radio show. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about them tonight. I want everyone to check out Davin's Den. Davin's Den is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you are looking for a show that can make you think and laugh out loud at the same time, then Davin's Den is the show for you. They go on live Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern Time to watch live episodes, hear or watch old episodes, or find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com. Okay, hold on one second. I'm just waiting for Scott to call back in because something happened with the switchboard. And unfortunately, his call had been dropped. So let me quickly send him another message here to get him to call back in because I don't know if he's aware. All right, Scott, come on. (laughs) All right, let's see if he's back in the switchboard yet. And unfortunately, let me see. Hold on one second. No, that's not him there. All righty. Hold on one sec again. All right. Again, we are going to be talking in a moment about Scott Schiefo's book, which is currently out, and I want everyone to go check this book out. Go to Amazon.com and check out Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer. It is his poetry book. It is currently out, and uh, everyone needs to, as I said, check this book out. It's really amazing. Um, I'm going to get him to call in in one second here. Okay, and hold on a second. I'm not sure what is going on right now with the switchboard, but we are definitely having some technical difficulties. So, again, just be with us. (laughs) Be with us. He's going to call back in. All righty. He's on pause. I'm trying to hit this here. Mm, I don't know what is going on here. Scott, are you on? There you are. Yay. Sorry about that. <laughs> a little right. bit of a technical I was difficulty. For about five minutes. <laughs> What'd you say? I say I was in your queue waiting around. I saw your messages call in, and I was waiting the whole time I had called in a few oh, times. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, okay. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. So um, hold on. I'm going to try to download this file while we're talking that you just sent me. Okay, so let's start out by talking about this. And if I can, I'm going to try to switch over to the switchboard and see if I can upload it because I really would love to play it tonight, all right? So let's yeah, that would be start... great. I'd love you to be able to play it tonight. Yeah. 
and it, God forbid I hang up, I will mention it on the air and then just call back in because I don't know if I'm going to be able to switch to another window. But tell the audience a little bit about, you know, what inspired you, I guess, so we can start getting into the poetry book to write this poetry book. When did you come up with the idea and you know, what was your inspiration behind it? Well, as I started saying earlier, um, at that point in my life, I was in, I was really into uh, writers like Charles Bukowski and Burroughs and a number of other guys who, in fact, I think most writers usually are, are uh, you know, substance abusers or drinkers. It seems to be like it goes hand in hand with it almost. But, um, you know, Bukowski used to pretty much write about his life in the streets of L.A. as an alcoholic, and I always thought his stuff was just really uh, just genuine and very touching for me. And so I think what started to happen was, you know, I was I was doing I was doing my own uh, sort of funky version of that. And as time went by, I felt I saw that as you know, a lot of the substance abuse and the drinking did open up some areas, you know, some places created creativity wise that okay. you you would never go there sober. <laughs> You know, but I mean, that is what it is. I'm not, I don't know what that famous uh, Hunter Thompson quote is, something like, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that booze and drugs uh, are for everybody, but they've always worked for me or something like that as a Hunter mm-hmm. Thompson quote. But uh, you definitely go to places that you would never go sober in terms of creativity and what's going on in your mind. And then I found that after a, after some kind of either whip and drinking binge or whip and drug and drinking binge, that a lot of the what went on during it was still I was still lucid enough to kind of recall. So it, as much of it, you know, it's called a book of prose and short stories and tales and streams of semi-consciousness. I don't know that they were necessarily uh, poems, but they were almost kind of like uh, reimagining of the events, almost like a funky alcoholic drug addict journal, I guess, sure. if you will. But um, that's where it came from. And I found that, uh, unfortunately, I think the both started feeding off one another. The more I wrote, the more I drank and used drugs. And the more I drank and used drugs, the more I wrote. You know, it wasn't the great, well, it was the most healthy thing in the world. And it was definitely, those were the beginning. That was the beginning of when I really, really kind of went you know, drowning up over my head in alcoholism and drug addiction. And in no way do I want to make light of that because it's a pretty miserable scenario. I mean, I was, I lost a good 10 years of my life um, fighting and battling it. And, you know, so it's not a joke and I don't want to, sometimes I come off and I'm a little flippant about it because I've been so blessed to be on the other side of the fence now for many years, thankfully, but it's no joke. It's a horrible disease and, it destroys a lot of people, destroys families, you know. So, but again, when you read, I, I believe that when you read through my book, you see it through the eyes of a guy who doesn't necessarily feel sorry for himself, doesn't hate mm-hmm. the world, isn't really bitter, you know. Kind of has a really great opinion of women too. I mean, there's no women bashing in there or whatever. So it's, it, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like he's trying. I think through the writing, he kind of is trying to join. Uh, join the ride from the outside, even though he's really inside. Does that, if you, you know what I'm saying? Does make yeah. Any sense? No, yeah, definitely. I think the writing, the writing kind of made me feel like 
I don't want to say that guy was in control of what was going on, but in some ways it did. It was almost kind of like a twisted way to get inspiration to continue writing was to continue, you know, living this alcoholic and drug addictive lifestyle. But of course, I mean, that eats you alive quickly enough. And then I got to the point where all creativity was dead. And once I started drinking or using any kind of substance, all I could do was continue to drink. If I started drinking, there would be no more writing, there would be no more nothing. It got really bad pretty quickly. I'd say by the middle to late 90s, I was really, really right. in some bad shape. So when you're, so as you mentioned, you're you're writing this book and, you know, a lot of it had to do with the substance abuse and your history and everything you've went through and stuff. Just fill the audience a little bit around what, I guess, occurred in your life that finally you said, you know what, I've, I've hit rock bottom, I can't do this anymore. You know, what was that moment that made you finally say, I've got to, you know, I've got to do something about this because it's destroying me, basically. Well, you know, throughout my life, like I said, I probably, anywhere between 15 and 20 years of hardcore uh, drinking and drugging and being addicted, actively addictive, and maybe I would stop for a month here or a few months there. Or I was mm-hmm. in every rehab facility on the East Coast between the late 80s and the early 90s. I had gone into... You know, every outpatient program, every inpatient program. I signed myself into what's called a TC, which is a therapeutic community. It's a super hardcore place to go. Uh, it's like an 18-month program, and basically the, wow. only people, basically the only people in there are the people that are trying to beat like some kind of five- to eight-year uh, jail sentence. So they'll get you know either five to eight years in jail or three years in an intensive you know, inpatient mm-hmm. program. So most of them opt for that. I, I put it this way. It's, it's so hardcore that I was the only guy in there who signed himself in voluntarily. Everybody else was there to beat jail, basically. Wow. Okay. Okay. That, so, that was, was one that, of my last. That was one of your That was like, one of my last uh, in, in, intensive inpatient. You weren't really in a patient. It wasn't a hospital. I mean, this place was like, one part military, one part jail, one part rehab. I mean, you know, you'd you'd be they'd make you scrub toilets with a toothbrush for five hours. You know, it's kind of like they the whole thing with the TC is they break you down so they could rebuild you. And you know, and it was miserable, man. I, I used to look out the window there and just I was consumed with grief, not knowing what my life was going to be and if I'd ever get out of there and where I was going. It's horrible, wow. but that was when things to turn around a little bit, but uh, it took a lot more years, though, unfortunately. But but you did turn it around, and like you said, I mean, you're doing so many amazing things right now, and you really should be proud of yourself, Scott. You've you've done a lot of hard work, both professionally and personally, on yourself, and, you know, it's it's paying off, so you really should be proud of what you've done. Well, thank you. I, it, I, it is, it's very difficult for me to look at it that way, though, because, uh, you know, to, to really try to put a little bow on this whole thing to tell you what really happened was I, I had congestive heart failure. I had a whipping, whipping case of congestive heart failure after two of the most Olympian-style binges I ever went on in my life back in oh, 2000, 2005. It was Christmas 2005, and I went on two week-long Coke, crack, heroin, booze, NyQuil, name it. And I came out of that, and I was in wicked congestive heart failure. 
and I did almost die like twice in the months of January and February of 2006 when the smoke cleared. And then I had years of battling a heart problem where booze and drugs were just totally taken off the table. I was a full-time heart patient. There was just, there was no way booze or drugs could even right. factor in. It kind of happened to me. It's not something I did. And, uh, you know, they kept me pretty well medicated during those years, too, but it was all legal and it was prescription drugs and pain drugs and sedatives because I had a really heart, bad heart problems, crazy arrhythmia. Um, they put in an ICD in my chest, so it's, it's, also a, it's a pacemaker that also shocks you if your heart goes awry. And so 2006 to 2009, almost 2010, I'm a full-time heart patient, and booze and drugs just are not factored in. Right. Somewhere about a couple of years into all this, it, it kind of just dawned on me, like, you know, wow, it's been three years. I haven't had a drop of booze. I haven't had an illicit drug. And it really dawned on me. I hadn't even thought about it because I was so consumed with being a heart patient. And then wow. I was just, wow, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run with this now. I can't go back now. It would be really heinous. Number one, I've got a really beat up heart. Number two, I'm getting older. Number three, I got like a three-year edge on this now. I haven't touched the drop or an illicit drug in three years. But the real beautiful thing, I'll wrap this up because I go on forever with this crap and it's kind of no, a bummer. Okay. No, no, no. That's okay. Go ahead. The ultimate saving grace was that not only did I kind of have the smoke clear and I realized I hadn't had a drink or an illicit drug in those few years, but the obsession somehow was lifted. And you hear about this a lot in addiction circles, and whether it's a 12-step fellowship or whatever kind of uh, recovery program an individual with alcoholism or drug addiction chooses, there are some people who get this um, freedom from the obsession. The obsession to use is lifted. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I'd ever be one of those people because that's rare. And basically most alcoholics and drug addicts have to fight it tooth and nail to the day they die. And it was a miserable life because when I tried to get sober in the past, I was miserable without it. You know, it's kind of like you become miserable with it, you become miserable without it, but you'll pick misery with it because you're still getting to get high, so to speak. I mean, right. that, that's but, so what's got, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point you bring up about the obsession being lifted. And, you know, you and I both know from being in the field of psychology that, you know, people that have brains that are wired a certain way, whether it's, you know, nature, nurture, a combination of both, it's very hard to move yourself away from, you know, an obsessive compulsive type of thing. So was it the heart condition per se that kind of you said, I'm going to choose to take care of myself? Or, you know, what factor like really led to you saying, I'm not going to use anymore, where you didn't use for three years. Was it just the heart condition? Honestly, yes. I mean, that, wow. that's why I'm... Well, here's that's why great. I, Well, yeah, again, it's very difficult for me to take any credit for my sobriety today as a result of this, and quite frankly, I don't care anymore because I'm so elated to be, you know, this this uh, 4th of July, I'll be clean and sober six years, and that's a, such a miracle because anybody who knew me beforehand... We were taking bets on when I was going to die, and I was in the pool with them because I didn't even care anymore Aww. at the end. I knew I would die from it. I was convinced right. I'd die from it. But uh, like I say, they ask you, what did you do this time? And I didn't do anything. Something was done to me. I mean, those three, four years of being a hardcore heart patient, like I said, booze and drugs, it wasn't like I was, you know, oh, I'll be smart, I won't use. It was impossible to use. I mean, I was practically... Uh, I wouldn't say I was non-ambulatory, but I wasn't capable of much else other than, you know, kind of milling about the house and 
so, you know, maybe reading a little bit because I have I had but, an but you know what, Scott? I had let, me a, just, let me digress for one second. But you still made a very you made a choice. You you could have continued using if you chose to, but you didn't. You chose to. Oh, I, wanna, I, I honestly I don't really see it that way. I didn't really. I well, I, it was it was it would have been impossible. I couldn't even walk to a liquor store. I was that sick with my heart. Wow. I had a horrible arrhythmia problem that days would go by where I'd be sitting in the same chair because my heart was racing so fast. Oh, my gosh. I could do anything. If I did get up, I'd get a shock from my device. I would get a right. big shock, gotcha. and it was horrible. So booze and drugs, there was no way that was going to happen. And like I said, I, I was being medicated by the doctors because they knew my anxiety was through the roof, so I was getting Valium and Zadix. Okay, case, so it was all sanctioned by the doctor. I wasn't really abusing it. It was all legal. And I had a lot of pain medicine, too, because I was in a tremendous amount of pain from all of the procedures. Right. So right. it kind of it kept me satiated enough to not even care about anything else. And, I mean, I was so sick to death over what my situation would be because for a long while it looked like I was going to check out. You know, I wasn't going to see 50. Wow. So, you know, booze and drugs were really taken off the table for me. And then, like I said, when the smoke cleared and I realized it had been that long, I had a, such a leg up, there was no way I would go back. But the, here's, again, the kicker, what we're talking about this whole time, is the obsession was gone. And this might sound oversimplified, but when you have to quit something, that you want so badly, that you love, that you can't picture life without, it's hell on earth. But if you have to quit something you truly don't want anymore, it's almost too easy. I mean, it, right. just, it, has, right. it has no pull on me now at all, at all. That's great. Well, that's awesome. That's really, that's a great story that you have. So in terms of not the prior, but the aftermath and everything that has happened now since you've kicked the habit and stuff, so that's great. That's really good. Yeah. So um, I got some good news. I was able to upload your uh, your uh, your uh, MP3 here. So why don't oh, we? Oh, uh, awesome! This is all. Yeah, God. I'm really excited. I'm I'm glad you made me kind of be flexible and think on my feet. And I was fiddling around, and I found a way to upload it. So it's there. This all right. Is all, so this is I all know. Scott I'm excited. And <laughs> huh? No, no. I said that's great. Scott Meany and Chris Lodando, and uh, they created this with Scott Chiaffo. So let's. Uh, you ready? We'll check it out, okay? Awesome. Hi, and welcome to We Sell Books. Do you sell books here? Yeah. Do you have that book, you know, it's new, that guy wrote it, he was in that movie with those other guys? Uh... Do you remember? It's like a regular book, but it's not. It's about his life when he was filming that movie. Sir, I have no clue what you're talking about. Sure you do. It has that cover on it, the words are supposed to rhyme, but they don't in this book. Oh, you mean poetry. Yeah, poetry. Do you have that book? We have a poetry section. The guy likes dogs. It's available on Amazon.com. How do you not know this? Sir, I'm not a mind reader. Here, you'll like this. Buy it. It's the novel adaptation of Navy Seals. No, I already have that. Okay, okay. You're looking for a poetry book by a guy in a movie who likes dogs, correct? Could this be it? Yeah, Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer by Scott H. Schiaffo. Yeah, he played the Chulies gum guy in Clerks. He was in Vulgar, too. That clown rape movie. This is definitely it. And how will you be paying for that? Oh, I don't want to buy it. Do you mind if I read this here? Vicious Dogs Attack Me at Sleepless Nights of Summer by me, Scott Schiaffo. Available at Amazon.com and at Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey. Nice. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, those guys nailed it, man. They so nailed it. 
Very cool. Very, very cool. So, and again, I can't because I was dabbling around doing 100 things at once. What specifically does the title of the book mean? Because it's, it's such a catchy title. It's very interesting, um, and I'm intrigued by it. So where did that come from with the concept of the dogs? Well, it's uh, it's actually one of the pieces in the book. One of the pieces yes. is titled mm-hmm. Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer. It came from a very real situation. I, You'll probably know the technical name for this because it's eluding me now. But I, I used to have, you know, people have repetitive nightmares or, rep, you know, the same nightmare for, you know, not every night but a couple of times mm-hmm. a month. You know, the, I used to have nightmares of, you know, vicious dogs attacking me and they would, like, clamp down on my arm and I would huh. have to with like my bare you know my bare hands like ripped their jaws open and actually hurt them and then as soon as I got one off another dog would clamp on my ankle and I'd have to tear his head apart to get him off and it was violent and heinous and very real it felt very real a lot of it was wow. probably toxic. a lot of it was probably toxic nightmares from all the substances but uh you know I, this was a very real thing for me I'd have that nightmare probably at least once or twice a week for a couple of years, it seemed. And that's where that wow. all came. And yeah, also, the, the, the term you were, real quick, the term you were talking about is repetition compulsion, when you're okay. you're kind of trying to work through something. And that's probably what was going on, whether it's you trying to get away from the drugs or, you know, toxic people in your life. Like there was something going on where you're trying to push these things away, but they're continuing to come back and, you know, traumatize you, harm you, et cetera. So, yeah, very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I kind of felt like I started to believe after looking into interpretation that, I mean, the dogs are almost representative of, I mean, I was my own worst enemy. It was me doing everything to me. Nobody was pouring the booze down my throat or sticking the coke up my nose or filling my crack pipe. I did all that. So, like, I was Mm -hmm. my own worst enemy. And um, also, too, the sleepless nights of summer, that also came from uh, the substance abuse as well as summer and spring are my least favorite times of year. And I know everybody thinks that's like so dark and dreary thing to say because I love fall and winter. But I just I'm not a summer, spring guy. I don't like hot water. I mean, hot weather. I don't swim. <laughs> not a beach guy. You know, even when I was a younger dude. So it's like the two worst things in my life going on was sleepless nights of summer and then these horrible nightmares. But um happy to say that they... They pretty much stopped somewhere around the late 90s. <laughs> okay, okay. No, thank you for sharing that. That was very interesting, very interesting. Sure. So tell us a little bit about what's some of the feedback been like that you've gotten about the book, uh, both constructive, positive. Um, I, It's been really wonderful. I mean, people have really embraced it. I think what's been really nice is there have been a handful of people who, you know, and of course I know them personally, most of them. One guy reviewed it on Amazon that I don't know personally, and he really got it, and he said a lot of nice things. But um, I know there's certain personalities and certain people who know the uh, genre that that stuff's coming from, and when they really connect to it, that that really makes me feel good because that means I hit the place, like I hit everything I needed to hit because it's connecting to the people I know uh, really understand where it's coming from. I mean, there's a mix of stuff in that book. There's some things that are very much alcohol and drug related, a little crazy, mm-hmm. you know, strippers and strippers with a heart of gold and, you know, drug deals gone awry and all this. But there's a couple of them that are also just very sweet. So 
some of them are love related. I mean, even though I wasn't totally in love with another woman or with mm-hmm. any woman doing that, uh, like my admiration for women came through. And there's a few in there that are, you know, they're very kind of bittersweet. You know, and there's, mm-hmm. there's, not everything is foul language and, and kind of crazy um, content. But uh, yeah, I, I, I very. I actually still, it's hard to believe it's actually out there and people are reading it because, uh, you know, it I was on the shelf for almost 20 years. I never dreamed it would actually ever get to come out. Oh, wow, then, you had it written for that long? I wrote it in the late 80s, early 90s during the wow. time I was... Wow, I thought but, you had wrote it more recently in the past, like, handful of years as a way to kind of, you know, just a cathartic thing and, and working through some of the stuff still. So, oh, wow, I didn't know you had written wrote it that long ago. Oh, no, it's the whole thing I would talk about with the substance abuse. That was all written during my worst oh. alcohol and drug years, not sober. Interesting. Oh, okay, right. okay. Right, no, that's all That's all nonfiction. It's practically like a junkie's journal. That's what it is. I mean, it's... I got you. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it, like I said, it sat on the shelf for years and years and years, and every now and then I'd flip through it, and it would remind me of where I came from and what I was like back then, and it was kind of, it was nice. It was sobering, for lack of a better word. But you know, now with the, I was able to get some publishing to people behind it, or the self-publishing thing too through Amazon is pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. since I'm fortunate to have uh, a little bit of a grassroots following as a, as a result of some of the films I've been in, it's out there and it's actually it's amazing to me. It's being read and people really. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun if somebody might email me or or maybe message me on Facebook and tell me which one of theirs is their favorite. And it, a lot of times it's ones I would never dream would be anybody's favorite. I really, you know? Yeah, I really liked, and I'm just remembering off the top of my head because I was trying to remember titles, and I definitely liked, the, of course, the title of the actual book. Um, but I liked the one called Toodles. I thought that was really interesting. I did like that one a lot. Um, so that was one that kind of just struck me, and I kind of tried to, you know, keep it in my the front of my memory bank so I could bring that one up. But I really like that one. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Um, so everyone definitely has to, again, you guys got to check out Scott's book here. So why don't we start, you know, tying things up and uh, tell people about, I know you have some signings coming up and some readings, so please fill everyone in on where you'll be at and where people can find you. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, this Sunday, this coming Sunday, is a Mendham Park Books uh, these folks have been amazing. They've really embraced it. They, it's not just a, a reading and a signing, but they wanted to do a full launch party. So they're doing, you know, refreshments and, uh, you know, they're making a whole big sort of afternoon, early evening out of it, which is really nice. But um, nice. let me get my uh, my wacky little itinerary here so I can I – can, I want to make sure I plug all the right people. But um, – yeah, it's Mendham Books in Mendham Park, New Jersey. That's this Sunday. Uh, I believe it starts at 1 or noon, and I'm sorry for not knowing for sure, but they're on Facebook, and it'll all be on my site throughout the week. Um, and then there's uh, Hoboken. Hoboken is June 28th. That's a while away. It's a 7 p.m. thing. It's a, it's an evening reading at a book signing. And, um, cool. Uh, there's a place in uh, Hawthorne called Well Read, and that's also going to be 6 p.m., and that's in 
doesn't. I think that's in August, the end of August. But there, there are ways away. But um, you know, I, I of course people, you know, the book will be available to be purchased at the store that day. Um, and of course, I'll be if anybody wants it personalized. I'm more than happy to personalize it, as well as if I uh, get the word out, if any of the film fans want to bring some of their memorabilia along with them. Uh, you know, whether it's clerks posters, DVDs, or whatever it might be, or vulgar DVD, or whatever, and they want that personalized, that would be, you know, totally my pleasure too. You know, the meter's not running; it's not going to be no charge for <laughs> right. this. That's great. That's great. So yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's really exciting. Well, you're doing an amazing job, Scott, and I I love everything you're doing. I'm always watching you and and keeping my eye out for uh, all the upcoming things that you have going on, which are so great. And I'm hoping one day to be in a project with you. That's going to be my goal in the future. So we're definitely going to someday work on something together outside of me interviewing you. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I definitely want to hopefully do something with you and Scott and Chris. I think it would be really cool Um, and a lot of fun. You guys just seem like a lot of fun to work with, so. That'd be awesome. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. As you know, the podcast will be available, so if anyone tuned in late or they couldn't catch it, it will be available indefinitely for people to download and stream and do whatever else they'd like to do with it. Awesome. All right. No, that's, so, I mean, I, I, you know, you thank me. I can't thank you enough for the exposure and uh, embracing this stuff because when you do it in an independent DIY level and use your kind of grassroots you have to go to any length to kind of get the word out about your projects. You know, it's not easy. I don't have that big, you know, big publicity promo wheel. Right. You know, but a lot of it's coming from Chris and Scott now. Those guys are amazing. They're just really, really good guys and very creative. And That's awesome. Well, it's coming from them. It's coming from you and, you know, people like me and others out there that, you know, host these types of things to bring you on and, and get your name out there. So, the whole bunch of people that work together as a team, and I think it's I think it's great. Let me quickly do one shout out before I forget, and I'd hate to. Uh, Marianne Cristiano, Marianne Cristiano Mistretta, she's the uh, proprietor of Pear Tree Enterprises. She's been the gal that has been basically getting all these book signings uh, booked and lined up, and she's out there. You know, she's a machine. She's been doing great with it. She's been putting up posters and the whole nine. Uh, she also was uh, one of the editors on the book. So, uh, you know, again, everybody that worked on the book, I just got so lucky with just an amazing team of people. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you, Scott, and it's really cool, and I can't wait to see what else you're going to have coming out in the future. But we'll continue promoting your book now, and we'll promote this podcast and uh, spread the word as much as we can for you. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, and thank All you right. for running. What's that? I say thank you for running the spot that Chris and Scott did. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I'm so happy I could get it in because, like I said, I heard it, you know, when you sent it to me, and I'm like, oh, this sounds great, and then I figured out how to get it. So, yeah, and I will periodically run it on my other shows, too, so then, you know, I'll have commercial breaks. I'll put it in there so people can check it out. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. Hi. Okay. Yeah, it's been, another, it's been another awesome interview, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and please keep promoting the podcast. I've seen people promoting these, and the people who go out of their way, and again, thank you for promoting the show as much as you did, because it really was an honor seeing how much work you put into it, and it really shows in the end, because the people who promote it the most get the highest ratings on my show, too, so I really thank you for that. Oh, well, Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, so have a great night, and we'll definitely talk off the air sometime very soon, okay? Great, that's awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Good night.
Thanks, God. Have a great night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, you just heard from Scott Schiaffo. Again, please check out his book, Vicious Dogs Attack Me in Sleepless Nights of Summer. It is available on Amazon. He will be available also signing this upcoming Sunday at Mendham Books, which is in Mendham, New Jersey. He is going to be posting it on Facebook, so definitely check it out or just type in Mendham Books to Google. It's a beautiful place. It's up in, again, Mendham Park, New Jersey, and uh, you can check it out there. I think it does start around noon. I think that's the time it starts. But as he said, all the details will be available by his promotion as well as through the bookstore. So uh, tomorrow night, everyone, it's going to be, I like to call it Halloween in April. We're in April, right? Yeah, we're still in April. Um, We are going to have on, this is going to be a really interesting interview. It's going to be the guy, Jeremy uh, D'Alessandro. He is the CEO of Creepy Collection, and this is an amazing company that creates from scratch those types of zombies, clowns, things like that that you see in the uh, amusement parks. They're called animatronics. He also creates a lot of props, stuff you see in CSI, the dead bodies, the body bags. So it's going to be a really cool interview. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm a horror fan. Uh, Scott Schiaffo, as you know, he was in a movie called Vulgar, which was a very uh, controversial movie about a clown, I think, that was going around raping people. So uh, he can appreciate this type of stuff, too. But it's going to be a cool interview tomorrow night. So you can check them out at creepycollection.com. And that'll be tomorrow night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, which will be Wednesday, April 25th. So I want to thank everyone again for tuning in tonight. We did some cool plugs and advertisements in the middle of the show, as well as we had a chance to plug uh, Scott Schiaffo's um, current thing that he's working on with his book, so you can check that out too. And I will play that out periodically on my other shows too. So tonight we'll close the show with... um, My title track off my album, Leave It All Behind, you can find it on iTunes by searching Carrie Edelman, as well as on all digital sites. And uh, I have some other music coming out soon. I'm working on some projects with a variety of different people, so that will be coming out in the near future. Uh, One person I'd like to plug is Dale Pantaleone. He is from the band. He is the, the forerunner of the band Liquid Eclipse. And I had an honor of working on numerous songs. So if anyone's interested, the album is called Adrift. It's very experimental. Uh, The music goes from jazz songs to Middle Eastern types of songs. Really cool stuff. So if you want to check out something different and unique, definitely check out Dale Pantaleone and the um, album under Liquid Eclipse, which is titled Adrift. The project is called Liquid Eclipse. All right. So right now I will play Leave It All Behind. And thanks again for tuning in, everyone. It is a pleasure having you come on my show as well as listen to it. And we will be back tomorrow night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Man.